Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How is it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, from the Ontario Rain headquarters is my co-host, Josh Schaefer. Now, Josh, had we recorded this episode 24 hours ago, like initially planned, this would have been an entirely different episode. You were having some problems with your work computer, the audio wasn't coming in, so we had to postpone 24 hours, and that might be a good thing, because as, I was, texting, as I was texting you last night while you were at the game... A lot of the talking points on yesterday's show that we initially had planned essentially would have been on uh, freezing cold takes today because everything we wanted to talk about pretty much did not happen in last night's game. Yeah, so yesterday's rundown was just for full transparency, we might as well say. Um, yesterday's run, there are a few things that w- we're still going to talk about today. But mentioned on yesterday's rundown would have been how unreal the bullpen has been as of late, how bad Max Muncy had been as of late, and how uh, David Peralta and Trace Thompson had been pretty much useless the last couple of games. Well, I'm thank goodness for audio issues because, um, you know, if you would have posted another clip of you talking about how bad Max Muncy is before last night's game, I think you would have had to quit Twitter. I would have been done. I would have been done for. I mean, just, yeah, going off that. So Muncy, granted, he was in an awful stretch. I think he was like in a two for 32 stretch, something like that. Hits two home runs last night. I think maybe recorded a single, drew a walk. So he has himself one of the best games of the season. The bullpen, who had been so fantastic for a couple of weeks, 
They allow, I think, a combined five, six runs, something like that. And then, yeah, Trace Thompson, David Peralta. Uh, David Peralta has what was almost the game-winning hit. Although, Josh, like I texted you, it <laughs> definitely wasn't the game-winning hit. It foul was ball. Uh, definitely a foul ball. And Trace Thompson with the walk-off walk. So, yeah, everyone pretty much is just telling me nonstop, hey, tweet something like this. That way you can jinx it because at this point, I, I, I am the jinx. So we're still going to be talking about some of those things, but we just wanted to let you guys know that we're the reason that everything happened last night because we were going to talk about it. So before we get into everything about the Dodgers, make sure you guys listen to the episode wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on the Odyssey app. You guys can also watch the full show on YouTube as well. And you guys can find us all over social media at Inside the Ravine, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and like I mentioned, YouTube, Inside the Ravine. Now, Josh, before we talk about Everything from last night's game, because there is actually a lot to talk about and all the latest Dodgers news. I do have an exciting little announcement for the show that I uh, am very, you know, eager to uh, get going. So a couple of our buddies that run a podcast up north, they uh, discovered a way, Josh, to improve their show for free. And I figured, hey, let me get in on this. So shout out to the Marine Lair podcast for uh, inspiring this next uh, segment. But Josh, we officially have a voicemail hotline set up. So if there are any listeners out there, you have a question that you have that you want to phone in on. If you have thoughts after a game that you need to just voice your displeasure or voice your pleasure with, anything that you want to say, you guys can call this voicemail hotline. It'll be me that picks up, but unfortunately it's a pre-recorded message so you don't get to talk to me. But Josh, that number, as I know you're probably getting ready to jot it down, is 323-736-1815. Again, that number is 323-736-1815. You can call at any time. It's open 24 hours a day. Call, leave a message. We'll play it on the next show. Now, Josh... I tweeted this number about 20 minutes ago, right before the show was going to start, just to see, just to test it out to see how it would go. And we've already gotten a caller. We've already gotten someone to call in and share their thoughts on last night's game. So we're going to go to that caller right now. Hello, this is Dodger Danny from Dodger Fan Page 88. And last night was insane. What I really love about it was... Even though Bickford gave up a run at the beginning, even though he loaded the bases, he fought through, and he kept us there for our offense to pick it up. And Trace Thompson, Trace Thompson, even though he didn't get a hit, Trace Thompson had plate awareness and patience and secured the walk-off. Another awesome win the third walk off of the season this is a very special team a very special team and i absolutely love it let's go dodgers there you go so that that's a perfect uh opening act uh, so if you guys, again, have any questions, any takeaways from any game ever, call that number. We're available 24-7-323-736-1815. There you go, Josh. Another another wrinkle in the Inside the Ravine legacy that is us. Yeah, and uh, and shout out to, to Dodger Danny um, for his for his voicemail message. Uh, yeah, I think he makes some pretty good points, too. I mean, last night's game was 
you know, you can harp on the negatives of the game, which was obviously the bullpen was not very good um, as it had been so good recently. Um, and, you know, obviously for most of the game, the Dodgers, it, it was really just the home runs early on that were kind of getting it done for the Dodgers. But later in the game and in extra innings, they found different ways to win. And I think that that's super important because, I, I mean, you, you know, I think this is a good opportunity for us to talk about Phil Bickford a little bit too because Phil Bickford's first inning of work was – Oh my God. It was, what's a good word to describe it? I don't even know. It terrifying, was not good. horrifying. Uh, they're coming through the back door. Get yes, the children, exactly. That. And, and, and the fact that he loaded the bases, walked them loaded and then walked in what could have been the game winning run. And then somehow got out of the inning with no more damage and forget about the inning. Even his next couple of innings that were not, the cleanest like the what was it the 12th inning i mean great in the 11th but the 12th inning comes around and you're like oh my god like this is right back to where we started he doesn't allow a single run after walking in that run um and he was i i don't want to say he was phenomenal but his effort was exactly what the dodgers needed and we're not going to see him for a few days i can almost guarantee that um with a pitch count at like 55 or whatever it was (laughs) but he was he was so he he wasn't great, but he was reliable, and he did exactly what the Dodgers needed him to do. It wasn't pretty, but the Dodgers got to where they needed to be because of Phil Bickford, um, and uh, and that's that's what makes these teams kind of special, right? Is it's is it's not just you know I, there was an article that was put out the other day um, by a big publication that basically alluded to the fact that the team the the NL West team you know down the coast is kind of a collection of bodies at the moment, right? It's a collection of talented bodies that are kind of all working individually. And right now, to me, the Dodgers are kind of a well-oiled machine. I'm not saying that they're just running through all their opponents, but right now the Dodgers are getting reliable outings from a number of different pitchers. They're getting big time hits from a number of different players on the team. And of course, guys are getting hot and cooling off and getting hot as they would you know, any other year on any other team, like any other player. And right now I think the team factor for the Dodgers has been so big in this winning streak in the last winning streak. And now I think now that, you know, you're kind of seeing guys fleshed out a little bit more and you're getting these important outings from guys in the bullpen, even when the team isn't playing great, I feel like as a whole, the way that the team is playing kind of a team baseball style right now is what's setting them above all of the other teams that they've played against right now. And especially in this last series against the Padres and especially in game one of the series against Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it on the head because it seems like everyone is contributing. Whereas, you know, you look at the team down there, like you said, down the coast, it's kind of maybe four guys that they're relying on and no one else is contributing for the Dodgers every night. Like you'll get what you get from the superstars, but it seems like someone in the lineup, someone in the bullpen, one of the starting pitchers they're delivering. But with the Phil Bigford thing, I mean, this is the craziest. I don't think I've ever seen anyone on the Dodgers in recent years go from the most wanted man where if you were to go to the Twitter trending, you would see Phil Bigford as one name trending. Another thing trending you would see would be DFA because how that inning started, he walked a guy, couldn't feel the bunt, and then walked another guy. He had no command, and it looked like, Josh, this inning was going to fall apart quickly. And personally, I'd given up on the game. I was like, we're already down one. They got the bases loaded, no outs. If they somehow get out of this down three, I think that's going to be a miracle. 
he shuts him down the rest of the way, gets out of that inning down one, and like you said, the fact that he had to go back out there in the 11th, and we're back to square one, we're back to where we started, he's able to throw a solid inning, and then in the 12th inning, once again, is able to, you know, I think he retired this side in order, or maybe there's like an intentional walk in there. But Phil Bickford, to go those three innings, it's the longest outing of his career. He went 50 pitches. I was expecting to get a notification today. Uh, Phil Bickford can't feel arm placed on 10-day IL because going 50 pitches when you're a reliever where your previous career high was two innings, that was asking a lot. And I think even after the game, Dave Roberts said like, Nobody was like we we were warming Bruce Dark Gratterall up just to have him potentially, but the, it was literally going to be Phil Bigford's game to finish. So if they would have gone into a thirteenth inning, Phil Bigford would have been out there. So the fact that he was able to eat it, the fact that he was able to keep the Dodgers in it, uh, I know he was probably the happiest guy in the stadium when Trace Thompson got that walk off walk because I know for a fact he did not want to go out there for another inning. But really, it's incredible because Phil Bigford when he entered the game in the tenth inning, I'm thinking. This is not going to go well because he's really struggled this season. He's been probably the Dodgers' worst reliever outside of like Alex Vesia. And he delivered when it mattered most, he delivered in the clutch. And Josh, I don't know if you saw it, but I think Phil Bickford probably had his first ever post-game interview last night. And I don't think he was, uh, I'm sure when you're one of these top guys coming up, they teach you about how to give post-game interviews. But for Phil Bickford, who's been a reliever, who's probably never been talked to once, um, let's just say he could use a little practice on his uh, post-game interviews because I think he was still confused as to what happened but I-, I thought that was phenomenal from Phil Bickford the fact that he stepped up when he did and the fact that he delivered in the clutch the way he did especially like I said given the way it started out and how bad things could have really turned yeah and when watching that last night watching him get out of that jam I I thought of that office clip where uh Kevin's like nope that's not Ashton Kuchar it's Kevin Malone except reverse those uh, and replace them with Mariano Rivera and Phil Bickford. Because, I mean, it, it went from atrocious to exactly what the Dodgers needed very quickly. And, you know, you and I have talked a, a hundred times, if not a thousand, about how bad the Dodgers are in extra inning games. And last night, I don't even think was bad, but just the way that they had the offense, it didn't matter who it was. I mean, obviously, the top of the, the, top of the order was what was so good for, you know, the first – seven innings but it was the bottom of the order that really came through in extra innings I mean you look at the what was it the 11th inning top of the order Mookie Freddie Will Smith couple of bad at bats I mean you know you have the ground out from Mookie he battled a little bit but Freddie bad AB Will Smith bad AB and it was the middle toward the bottom of the lineup that ended up getting the Dodgers getting runners on base and just walking in that winning run and that's sometimes the way that it goes like they they figured out ways to score runs throughout the game. And every single time the Twins scored, the Dodgers, somebody pushed another run across. And that's why when it went to extra innings, you had that feeling like if Phil gives up one, fine. The runner on second score is fine because it feels like the Dodgers are going to respond and then you can push across the winning run. So, you know, when they came up in that bottom of the 12th inning and it was still tied, you kind of had that feeling like it has to be right now. Mostly like, did I think they were going to lose at any point? Not really, but it was like, it's got to be now. Cause we're so used to these short games. It's getting late. It's past my bedtime. Like it has <laughs> yeah. to be now, please. That's how I was back, man. It was like 10 45. I mean, bedtime here is it's 10 o'clock. 
I mean, these games are ending at 9.30, you have 30 minutes of downtime. This was extending into bedtime, Josh, but even like what you said, and I feel like this is like a forgotten moment because of how many things happened in this game. J.D. Martinez yeah. in the bottom of the 10th with two strikes off a guy that's throwing 103 mile an hour splitters, he gets a curve and he just, you know, hits it in the center field, ties the game. And in years past, that's a moment that the Dodgers, someone strikes out or he grounds out and they don't even get the run over. Now we've seen it, you know, small sample size has been two extra inning games, but the Dodgers are 2-0 and in extras this season. They're doing things that they're supposed to do. And it it's quite the turnaround compared to what we've seen in years past. So, Again, everyone, Phil Bigford, J.D. Martinez tying the game up. Trace Thompson, who, you know, is still going through that 0-for-30 stretch. And when when they opted to intentionally walk Max Muncy to bring up Trace Thompson, I think everyone probably in the stadium and everyone watching was going, oh boy, like, here we go. The fact that this is our option right here. And you're thinking, literally, all he has to do is draw a walk. All he has to do is draw a walk. He quickly goes behind 1-2 in the count. You're thinking, man, he's going to strike out. We're going to go to another inning. But he manages to just... Battle, not swings that not doesn't swing the bat. He gets the walk off walk, and hopefully for him, this can be. Maybe it's like in basketball where if you just make a free throw, it helps you turn things around. Maybe for Trace Thompson by just drawing this walk, maybe it's able to just kind of change him a little and get him going. Because uh, if he can get going, that would be huge for the Dodgers. And that's the thing, right? Like it was a good at bat. He 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 was down in the count. What was it one two? And he worked his way back, fouled off a pitch. Like, I'm sitting there thinking just honestly, I know there's two strikes, but don't swing. Like, let's just see what happens, right? Yeah. Um, but he, he battled and he worked a walk. And sometimes, like, that's important. Like, I know you see this and you're like, oh, a walk-off walk in the 12th inning. Like, first of all, that's the only way this game could have ended. This game was absurd. Two bases-loaded yeah. walks in extra innings. Back-to-back home runs. The go-ahead hit from Peralta was foul. Um Trevor Larnick three-run bomb in the eighth inning, and we're Evan not even Phillips talk blowing about his first other. save of the year. Yeah, Evan Phillips blowing a save, and this isn't even like talking about some of the other just weird crap that happened throughout this game. Um, but uh, two players getting picked off of first base in the same game by two different pitchers, like it, it was just a weird game, um, and um, so it, it only could have ended with a walk-off walk. But look, like. In extra innings down in the count, it's not just a walk-off walk where the pitcher missed. I mean, this is a confidence-boosting at-bat, I'd hope, for for Trace Thompson, a guy who has struggled mightily as of late. But it's the same thing as a couple of years ago. Like, remember when we were talking about how Max Muncy had been really struggling a couple of years ago and he just wasn't hitting the ball and he was striking out a lot? But at the same time, maybe he wasn't getting hits, but he was having good at-bats. He was working walks. He was still getting on base the same way he always had. It was just he wasn't hitting the ball at all. And sometimes it's like, all right, but those are good signs, right? And I think last night for Trace Thompson, it's not like, oh, you just backed your way into being the walk-off hero. No, like he went up and he, first of all, got picked off of first base. And an inning or two later, he comes out and has a really good at-bat. The way that I look at it is, all right, it's a single. Right. When you're down in the count and you battle your way back to work that walk with the bases loaded, I view it the same way as a single. So he didn't back his way into anything. You have to have a good at bat to get in that situation. And he did. Yeah. I mean, again, hopefully it gets him going. And I will say this, Josh, one of the strangest uh, walk off reactions I've seen from a player, at least that I can remember on the Dodgers. So he gets the walk off Mm -hmm. walk. Now, obviously, 
it's not as exciting as if you know you deliver a walk-off home run you deliver a walk-off single but it's still a big moment and everyone you know was immediately sprinting towards him uh trace thompson just immediately sprints away from everyone on the team and heads straight to the dugout so i don't know if maybe he had to go to the bathroom or uh you know he had to check something in the clubhouse but for being in the being in the slump that he was in i would have ripped my jersey off i would have sprinted into center field i would have climbed into the the left field pavilions and would have started celebrating with the fans but he opted to just run away from everyone and head straight into the dugout so I, I just thought that was, well, a, was kind of a delay. I felt like it was a delayed reaction, like by the team too. Because like when he walked it in, when he walked in the run, it was kind of just like a oh, like that is how the game would end. And then in the most hilarious way ever, the the kicks in with the I love LA and the lights start flashing, and you're like, this is kind of hysterical. And yeah. then that's when I noticed the team like running out of the dugout. It was like not immediately. So I it. It was weird. It was a weird game. It was late. Everybody was tired, and maybe maybe Trace just wanted to, to go to bed because it was past his bedtime, too. Yeah, it was getting late. So, crazy game, and again, lost in the shuffle is the fact that Max Muncy, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, had himself one of the best games of the season. Two homers, I think, reach-based four times as a whole. He's been really sick, apparently, the last couple of weeks. I think he's pretty much said, like, this is kind of the reason why I've been struggling. I just have, like, no oomph at the plate. So maybe he's not sick anymore. Maybe he's going to turn things around. One final thing I wanted to touch up on in regards to this game was how the Dodgers decided to use Noah Syndergaard. Now, if you saw his start last week in Milwaukee, he had a blister, but it looked like his finger got blown off. Like, Josh, I don't know if you saw the image of what his finger looked like last week, but his finger literally looked like it got blown off. And I thought he was going to be on the IL for at least a couple of weeks. He somehow managed to make the start last night. But I guess they taped it up. They wrapped it up. They put some stuff on it. But after four innings and 50 pitches, the Dodgers opted to take him out of the game. And that's why this turned into such a bullpen game and why Phil Bigford had to eat it for three innings because the bullpen had to pick up five innings. But uh, Dave Roberts pretty much said, yeah, we, we didn't want to test anything. We didn't want to take any chances. But I don't know. I, I figure... If you don't want to take any chances, just put him on the IL, have him miss a start, call up Gavin Stone for a start. Hopefully he can give you five or six innings or maybe do something like that. So I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of interesting to accept defeat with Noah Syndergaard early on and knowing you have to make this a bullpen game when you knew he wasn't necessarily 100%. So yeah, I thought that whole thing was a little bit interesting, but I guess if there's any sort of takeaway, it's the fact that Noah Syndergaard struck out five in four innings when over his last four starts combined, Josh, he had a combined four strikeouts. So I guess there is some sort of positive. Yeah, he he, he had his strikeouts in this game, which was which was good. The thing with Syndergaard and the way that it's been this season is he just gets knocked around. Like he doesn't give up, you know, three bombs a game. He, dudes just slap singles left and right against Syndergaard. And, and I think that's been one of the biggest things. And, and, and look, he, it was the same thing this game too. Like all of the runs that they scored off of him were just knock after knock after knock after knock. They come one after another, but you know, he racked up a couple of strikeouts. The Dodgers struck out what 15, 16 guys in that game. So, you know, impressive for the Dodgers to get that many swings and misses too. And I don't think many of them, I, I'm trying to think like, 
I know it's a long game, and I know they had a lot of strikeouts, but I don't remember a looking strikeout in the game. I know that there was one or two, but it seemed like there were just tons of swings and misses, which is really impressive. But it, it all started with Syndergaard, so I, I'm fine with it. I mean, I know it's tough that maybe the bull. It's it, you can't predict a bullpen game turning into what last night was. You can't predict your bullpen, which had been so good as of late, too kind of collapse late in the game and also go into a 12 inning extra inning affair. Like you can't predict that. So I'm kind of okay with him taking him out early. You know, he goes what four innings. Um, so um, I, I'm, I'm okay with them being a little bit cautious, but it, it's just unfortunate that the way that it worked out was having to go so deep into a bullpen game, which is another reason why, you know, sorry, Phil Bickford congrats on, you know, being one of the heroes, but at some point in the game, it was kind of like, Hey, uh, you're wearing it. Like whatever yeah. happens, happens, you, you got to wear it. And he dealt with it well. So that's, it, it works out from a positive standpoint with the Bickford side of things. Um, but disappointing that the rest of the arms got worked the way that they did. Yeah. I mean, looking at Syndergaard's numbers for the year, like he's allowing 1.2 walks per nine innings, which is incredible. So he's not walking anyone. He's allowing yeah. 1.5 home runs per nine innings. Like you said, Josh, not really allowing any home runs. It's just the fact that he's averaging 11.1 hits per nine innings. So it's just, yeah, a bunch of singles that he's allowing, and then it kind of just hits the fans. So if he can limit just those singles, just even a little, I think Noah Syndergaard's actually going to be pretty solid for the Dodgers, especially if he can slightly get those strikeout numbers up. But yeah, last night's game made zero sense, Josh. I mean, there's probably five or ten things we're just skimming over that we forgot about that actually happened in last night's game. But crazy one, the Dodgers get the win. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other stuff that uh, was on the rundown yesterday that we didn't jinx, at least as of right now. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus All right, Josh, we are back from break, and we're going to wrap things up talking about just a couple uh, of fun things in regards to the Dodgers. Now, this was kind of going to lead off the show yesterday because this is our first episode following the Padres series, and I think in a week or so since the, the previous Padres series. But by now, everyone knows about the Clayton Kershaw scoreboard thing. They know that they put the photo of him crying up there on the Jumbotron after they won the first game of the regular season. Well, Josh, it couldn't be more fitting I guess this is uh, what they call karma, because after the Padres posted out on the jumbo board, the Dodgers defeated the Padres in five consecutive games. We talked about the series last week in San Diego, but this weekend the Padres came into town, and the Dodgers 
didn't even really dominate them because I think they actually scored four runs in every game. But the pitching was excellent. The Dodgers had timely hitting. And uh, once again, the Dodgers just proved to everyone that they are the team to beat in this division while the Padres are all talk. Yeah, I mean, yikes. I, we, like we said, I, I don't even have an issue with the crying Kershaw for the most part. You know, we, we talked about this the other day. Like, I, I'm fine with having fun too. Like, I, I'm, I'm all in on that, you know. Have have your fun, like make it a rivalry and, and the Padres can certainly do that. Um, I just thought it was weird to go after Clayton Kershaw of all people in that instance and especially game one of the series. Because again, what did we say the last time we brought this up was that is just, I'm not saying Kershaw is using that as bulletin board material. And I don't even think the Dodgers are, but that is like Dodgers, the Dodgers and Dodger fans can keep their receipts. And that's exactly what the Dodgers did. Cause I think it's a bad look when you do that. And then you lose five straight games against that. Again, like, and remember what we said, like, this could be, a, we could have a completely different outlook on the season series and the Dodgers and the division as a whole after six of nine games coming up against the Padres. Um, and it's not like the Diamondbacks were eight of 10 to start the season. We're against the division team, the same team. We're talking, we're a month and a half, you know, we're, we're like almost 30% into the season now, if not more than 30% in. And you have six of nine games against the same team, a home and home. And either things are going to be very even or things are going to be very different. And things are very different because the Dodgers, I, I don't want to say handedly, but convincingly handled the prop, the Padres in five of those six games, all after the scoreboard thing. So it's like, I just think it's, I'm not saying the Padres messed up and you shouldn't do it again, but they probably won't because of, yeah. I, I think it's a bad look now on them. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is about, you know, taking these two series the way the Dodgers did. Now, the fact that they only play 13 times a season, the Dodgers and Padres only have seven games remaining the rest of the way. And the Dodgers have a seven game lead in the division. Now, obviously, it's the middle of May. There's 100 and I don't know, 1520 games left to go. But when you only play a team seven more times, you have less opportunities mm -hmm. to make up some ground. Like if this was a normal season, Josh, they'd play 19 times. So they'd have 13 matchups. That would be six extra games against the Dodgers. So uh, yes, it's it's funny to troll them like LMAO, nice going Padres. But these are huge series wins for the Dodgers because it also, I believe, I think they just need one more win to take the season series where for some reason there's a tiebreaker since they don't have a game 162. All of a sudden now, the Dodgers just got to beat the Padres one more time in 2023 and they'll loan that tiebreaker should they need to use it. So the fact that they were able to, you know, push the Padres down in the standings, I think it makes it that much more important because, you know, we, we saw what happened a couple years ago with the Dodgers when they were having a fight with the Giants all season to win that division. It did tire them down a little Obviously, we saw what happened last year when you do have a big lead, but still, I think that was a, a different circumstance. Personally, I would rather have a 10-15 game lead going into the playoffs. Uh, that way, you don't have to risk anyone. You don't have to risk injury like the Dodgers did with Max Muncy, Justin Turner a couple years ago. So, big picture, I, I think it's huge for the Dodgers, but it, it is also funny, Josh. Like, it's it's really funny that they won five it's, in a row. It is. It, it is funny, but and again, like you going back to the point that you just made, this is something we said on our last show. When you play everybody in baseball now, these division games, because there's fewer, mean so much more. So 
yes, it's disappointing that the Dodgers – yes, it was early in the season, so it doesn't really matter, you know, for the most part because now the season's in full swing and the Dodgers are in first and the D-backs are, what, second or third. So those but, – but still, those first eight of ten games of the season where the, the D-backs bested the Dodgers to start the year, those – I'm not saying those are going to come back to bite the Dodgers, but think about where the Dodgers could be in the division if they played a little bit better, won one or two more of those games against the D-backs. And then now you look at these games against the Potters, now that we're like 30% into the season, we're two months in, and losing five of six to a division rival is really bad, I, I think, at this point in the season. Because, again, we would say the same thing. Like, for later this season when the Dodgers and Padres meet again, regardless of where the Dodgers are at in the division, regardless of, you know, the Dodgers, Padres, you know, fans going back and forth, the Dodgers get swept by the Padres later this season. Not only is it bad to get swept, regardless of whether or not you're at home or on the road, but it's against a division rival. And those are so much more important now because you play everybody in baseball. So the Dodgers win your games, win your series, especially against your division rivals. Obviously you want to beat everybody, but you know, if you go into a game in St. Louis and you know, you lose two of three. It's like, yeah, you don't want to do that. But the way that I'm looking at it at this point is I would much rather lose two of three to a team like in the AL or in the NL Central as opposed to the Padres, the Giants, the D-backs, or the Rockies because those games are so much more important now. And maybe I have the luxury of saying that when the Dodgers are you know, seven games ahead of the Padres and have the best record in the NL, sure. But these games are just so much more important because you play your division rivals fewer times. Yeah, I mean, you drop from 19 games against them to 13 games, so you can make the case now that these games are one and a half times more valuable than you know they were in recent years. Yeah. So, yeah, a huge couple of series wins for the Dodgers. That's going to help them in the long run. Josh, one final thing before we wrap up today's show, and I, I thought this was something a little fun to talk about. It was just a couple weeks ago where this Dodgers team was 13-13. and 13. They were 500. Every episode we were recording was a doomsday episode. We were, you know, just bagging on the team for a variety oh, of reasons. Oh, we only had one or two of those. <laughs> oh, yeah, a couple. But everyone was panicking about the Dodgers saying, this is a wild card team. This team's not going to win the division. This is what happens when you are cheap and you don't try to retool your team. Well, Josh, fast forward a couple of weeks. Uh, the Dodgers now, 27-15, and 15, best record in the National League. And they are now on pace for 105 wins in 2023. I thought my 100-win hot take that I had was uh, trash-bound, garbage-bound, throw it in the garbage and go and <laughs> dump it out where you never see it again. There's life to it. It's still, you know, plenty of games left to go, a whole lot of season left. But on pace for 105, and they're playing their best baseball. Who would have thought? Uh, two and a half, three weeks ago when they were 13 and 13, we'd be at this point already. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's still a lot of baseball left to be played, but the Dodgers are, are, are in a good position right now. And it helps that you can build a good lead in the division at this point in the year. They just have to continue to add to it. And again, you know, keep taking care of business in these series, especially against the division rivals. And right now they've been able to do that against in division teams and they've got a pretty tough slate coming up. Um, over, over the course of these next uh, couple of weeks, obviously you still got the Twins. You go to St. Louis, you go to Atlanta, you go to Tampa Bay. Like, you know, the Dodgers have a tough slate coming up, but take care of business. You don't have to win every game. I, I've, got, I've got friends that'll shoot me a text and be like, are you going to talk about how bad we were on the next podcast? It's like, no, well, I'm not because the Dodgers are still winning their series. So 
you know, losing Bree in St. Louis is not that big of a deal breaker. Cause if you win, if you win every series you play in, you're in a pretty darn good spot come the end of the season. And right now the Dodgers have already set themselves up to, to be in that position later on. They just got to yeah. keep it up. I mean, again, they're playing better baseball than anyone. Even after the, the Tampa Bay Rays historic start to the season, the Dodgers are only four games behind them overall. That just goes to show how good they've been playing. And like Josh said, this upcoming schedule, it's going to be tough for the Dodgers. Obviously, they got to finish the series against the Twins. Then you got to go to St. Louis for four. They're playing really good baseball lately. Then you go play the Braves. You play the Rays on the road. Josh, I, I mentioned the Rays have the best record in baseball. The Braves, they're right behind the Dodgers, half a game behind them with the third best record in baseball. So these next couple of weeks, the Dodgers are going to have plenty of opportunities to play literally the best teams in baseball. So it's going to be exciting to see how they do. But uh, any any final takeaways, Josh, before we wrap up today's episode? No, it should be fun. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of year left to go. Um, but honestly, like some of these next couple of games could feel like um, could feel like playoff baseball. And look, I mean, those series in Atlanta are always a lot of fun. Um, the series in St. Louis are always a lot of fun. And, you know, we, it, it's great that, you know, now the Dodgers get to do these, you know, so many out of division and even out of league, like non-league games. But I feel like we don't get to see Dodgers raise very often, you know, obviously. So, so th those, those are games that I'm looking forward to, regardless of the fact that, um, you know, the Rays have been really good. Obviously, that's a huge part of it. But, man, I am just excited to see the Dodgers play at the Trop. I, I'm just so gassed about it. Oh, yeah. Love the Trop. I mean, they've only <laughs> played there, I think, a handful of times, like, in mm -hmm. total over the last couple of decades. And I saw some tweet, I forget what it was, but when the Dodgers played the Twins this week, they're the, they were the last team in baseball to play an interleague game. And I think now up until the All-Star break, like 60, 65% of the Dodgers games are going to be against American League teams. So a lot of tough games on the schedule, but we're going to see how the Dodgers do. We're going to see how they're tested. But that does wrap up today's episode of Inside the Ravine. Again, you guys can listen to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, and on the Odyssey app. You guys can also find us on social media, whatever app you guys use. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just go and search Inside the Ravine. And again, if you guys have a question or a thought on a Dodgers game, the voicemail hotline is open 24-7. Give us a call at 323-736-1815. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, wherever you may be. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.